this is why. This is why we pray, give, and go. Out of a world populated with over 7 billion people, almost 3 billion are unreached, which means they have little or no access to the gospel of Jesus. This is why. The 1040 window is a section of the world made up of countries like Afghanistan, Egypt, China, and India, where there are over 16,000 people groups. 6,921 of them are unreached. This is why. Over 2,600 people groups totaling 195 million individuals have neither scripture, Christian films, or Christian recordings available in their primary language. This is why. Sometimes we can look at this as just numbers, but each one of these numbers are individuals that our Creator is madly in love with. In the words of missionary Hudson Taylor, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. It's time for us as people known as Christ followers to rise up, to follow commands, and pray, give, and go until all have heard. This is why. Good morning. I uh, happy be with you, uh, Life Church. I also uh, happy you watch me from uh, West Campus and Appleton Campus. You happy? You you uh, understand English, my English? Uh, okay. You, you happy? Just kidding. I, I saw some of you saying, yeah, happy, yeah, I'm happy. And you're going, man, it's going to be a long day. The way this guy speaks, we'll be here till tomorrow. But you, you, you made me feel good anyway. <laughs> So good to be here and also to speaking to the other two campuses on the West and Appleton and all of you. Um, I come from Sri Lanka. It's a little island below India, 270 north-south, 150 miles east-west, 22 million people. Known for the best tea in the world. The British name we had was Ceylon. If you haven't drunk Ceylon tea, you haven't drunk tea at all. I have a little video I'd like you to watch. Um, so it'll just give you a bit of the pictures of Sri Lanka. And as you can see, it's an island below India. India is known, and tea is a famous thing. A um, lot of beauty, beaches. That's why we don't care about Hawaii, because uh, Sri Lankan cricket is very famous too. Um, and as you see a bit of the culture, I'll tell you, in the last so many years, Sri Lanka was torn by terrorism. In fact, they said the best form of terrorism in the world. Why they say it's the best is there were so many people willing to give their lives for their cause. It's a sad thing that people who have the wrong cause are so committed to give their lives. And sometimes we, the church, who have the right cause, uh, we're not as committed. But it, the, the, the terrorism just tore everything up. For the last almost 30 years, over 100,000 people were killed. Unofficial statistics. Officially, it's much lower. And uh, then while the, the terrorism was on, we also had, uh, when the terrorism came to an end a few years ago, 
the church was persecuted. We had over 400 churches that had been attacked, burnt down, cell leaders beaten. Even up to two weeks ago, another church was threatened. And um, so many um, have, have gone through a hard time. Uh, but as you will see, you know, and it's coming up where they, a church like this, you know, it was there before. And then the next morning you come in and uh, it's like that. Um, but it's still a privilege to know one thing. That no man on earth, no demon in hell can stop the church of God. This is one persecution thing that we caught on camera. Led by Buddhist priest. A lot of people think Buddhism is calm and serene. But there are extremists, no matter what religion. But the church goes on. We just celebrated 100 years of the Assemblies of God in Sri Lanka. And uh, this is one of the Indo meetings we had. And um, then we also took everybody into a rugby field. And amidst the persecution and all that, we thought 15,000 people might show up. And we had over 25,000 who actually showed up and filled the place as we praised God together and gave Him glory. So we thank God for what's going on in Sri Lanka. The good news is God is doing well in Sri Lanka. And sometimes, you know, it's tough because like a pastor and a wife went visiting on their motorcycle with their 10-year-old son, came back at about 8 o'clock at night. When they pulled on the bike, another motorcycle came with two people on helmets and they took a gun, they shot the pastor, they shot his wife in front of their 10-year-old son the pastor died on the spot, but the wife, the, the bullet missed her spinal column by about two or three millimeters. So they couldn't even take it out. But today she limps, but she's the pastor of the church now. And uh, so a lot of things happening. And um, sometimes when I tell you stories like this, I know you're feeling sorry. I want to tell you, don't feel sorry. Because we are all here for a short time. We are all being placed in different places. God has promised one thing to us, that we will, never go, we will never have to go or bear anything that we cannot bear. He has promised that. And I want to tell you, don't feel sorry for me, because sometimes I do feel sorry for you. When I look at the apathy in the church, and I look at, you know, I am here today on a, on a Sunday of missions to come and tell you, I'm not a missionary, I'm a national pastor, to tell you, thank you for what you have done for missions. You know, because sometimes you do missions. I don't know how often you do it in your church. Sometimes twice a year, sometimes once a year. And you, you, you come and it's a missions Sunday, a missions week or, or a missions month. 
and you say, okay, we go again. They'll give us a card. Then they want more money and the whole story. And a missionary will come and tell a story. I want you to just know that because you gave, because you prayed, and because you went, some of you, and because you sent, I am saved. You see, my grandfather received the Holy Spirit because the missionaries came. And then the missionaries' uh, visas were stopped for over 50 years. And my father and five others, we had six churches that got the work going. And today I want to tell you, we have 600 Sunday services in the country. You know, because when you give, you don't even understand sometimes what it is doing. But I have come back from Sri Lanka to tell you, thank you for what you have done for missions. Today, because you invested in us, we are sending missionaries to Uganda and India and Singapore and, 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 and Lebanon and all over the world. So thank you. Yes, my country is not even 1% born again. It's a very small percent. But God has still uh, challenged us because of what you have done. You taught us the gospel. You taught us how to pray for the sick. You taught us how to see miracles. And we see miracles every week. My grandmother was dead and after prayer came back to life. I've seen cancers come out of people's mouth. Because you see, what you taught us is so real. That God is alive. And God is well. That's why we wrote that book on faith. It's a book on faith where, where, where God is still working. And I want to tell you even today, if you put your faith and trust in Him, you will never be put to shame. How many can say amen? You see, you'll never be put to shame. You see, God has us here for a purpose. You see, time is running out. We look at the signs. You know, years ago, I would... Um, I would go for many funerals. In our church, you know, we are so spread out. <clears throat> we have over 50 funerals a year. That's because we bury our members as well as there are family members who don't come to church sometimes. And uh, in the recent two years, most 80% of the funerals in our church have been people below 50 and 40 years old. And if you look at the signs of the times, you look at the four horses in Revelation, talks about the horse of disease being, being, uh, is riding, is doing his stuff. The times are coming to a place where earlier when we talk about Revelation, we have to imagine all these things. Today we can see it in front of our eyes. We have GPS. It says, you know, GPS will know if you take the mark of the beast, the chip, wherever you are. So many things are making sense. And here God has placed you and I. And I, the theme for this missions conference, this is why. I'll tell you, this is why God brought you to this church. This is why you are saved when millions haven't heard the name of Jesus or one adequate message of the gospel. Why is it that you can come every Sunday, 52 a, a year? If you come on in the evenings, 104. If you come on a Wednesday, 156 times a year. You have television that's Christian. You have books. You have DVDs. Why is it that you have so much and some have so little? Is God fair? I am here to tell you God is fair. How many can say amen to that? Because to whom much is given, much is required. You see, God sees you fit. God has ordained you to be in America. God has ordained you to receive so much. You know why? Because in this short life of yours, God doesn't want you to survive. He doesn't want you to just exist. He wants to use you. A lot of the times you say, oh, he's got to use those on the pulpit, the pastor and, and those singers and the people we pay to do their stuff. No, my friend, God has no stepchildren. God has only children. God has only one of you. 
And God wants to use you. You are God's man. You are God's woman. God doesn't anoint buildings, pulpits, television sets and instruments. God only anoints men and women. You are God's man. You are God's woman. God wants to do something through you. Can you imagine why God has left us here from the moment we got saved? I used to always wish the moment I met Jesus, he'd take me to heaven. Because my chances of backsliding would be zero. I don't know about you. you I'm sure you guys are better than me, right? But he keeps us here. Why does he keep us here? Oh, we say because he wants to mature you. Mature us. So we come and we, we go to LLC and we get classes. We do all these things. Hey, you don't need maturity to go to heaven. All you need is salvation. Am I right? So actually, four or five or six pages in the Bible should be enough. Why 66 books? Because God wants to mature. Why do we mature? We mature for ministry. We mature so you and I have a task and a purpose here. And God wants us to mature us to do that. You see, God's heart for those who don't know him is burning. It's great. God makes a covenant with the world of the lost. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17, it says, When the poor and needy search for water and there is none, and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. God says when there are thirsty and needy people in the world, He says, I will answer them. And I want to tell you, God has never lied. God has never said something he will not do. That's why in John 3.16 it says, God so loved the world that he gave one out of his ten sons. That... I was wondering why you were not stopping me. <laughs> Boy, you guys swallow anything. No. Actually, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Because he cares for those who are thirsty and hungry and have no hope. He gives his one and only son to meet the needs of the world. I remember when the Asian tsunami hit a few years ago, Sri Lanka, in three minutes we lost 50,000 people. Mostly it was infants and babies. And there we were trying to pull out these babies and children and adults and we didn't know what happened. Because that was 26th of December. We were so engrossed in our program. We were getting our Christmas program done. We have a big Christmas event. And we had to get the sound right and the lights and all those things. And don't get me wrong. Those are fine. Whatever we do, we got to do it well. But you see, sometimes we forget why we do what we do. Sometimes you forget why God has kept you here after you were saved. It's not to finish paying the mortgage. It's not just to get your kids through school. It's not just for you to accomplish the plans you have. Because you know what? Death is sure for you as it is for me. So God keeps you and I so that we will accomplish His plan and His purpose before we go to eternity. Are you with me? You know, sometimes we are so caught up in ourselves. It's all about me. Our prayers are all about what I need today. We get mad at God, don't we? Because God didn't move the way we want him to move. How many of you know you have a great God? Can you say amen? Amen. He's the great healer. He's the great provider. Amen. Amen. Oh, the God we created is so wonderful. He performs just like we want. 
you, is that true? Did you create God? No, you see, he created me for him. He created me to do his work, to worship him. But sometimes we go around our life acting like we created God for us. And when God doesn't perform, we get mad. I want to tell you, my friend, God has you and I. You don't worry about what I go through. I'm not going to worry about what you go through. Because God placed us where he wants us. And he wants us to understand when the Samaritan woman came four miles away from Samaria to draw water in a place called Sychar in John chapter 4. The disciples all came to that place. Jesus knew what he was doing. And they went to bring lunch. Twelve people going to buy lunch for one man. Only in the Bible you'll read that. And while the disciples were out to lunch, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman who couldn't draw well in Samaria because she was divorced five times and living with the sixth man. Because in our part of the world, all the women's conferences happened around the well in the morning. And guess who would have been the hot topic? This woman. So she can't draw the water in Samaria. She comes to Sika. Jesus meets her. He says, I will give you water to drink that you will never thirst again. He takes a dejected, rejected woman with many mistakes who didn't even want to draw water in Samaria, would walk four miles. And he says, I'll change your life forever. She gets saved. She goes to Samaria, becomes the first evangelist to tell them about Jesus. And guess what happens? While she's bringing the people, the disciples come and say, Master, here's food, eat. And he says in John 4, 32 to 34, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And they say, what has happened? You know why? Jesus says in John 4, 35, lift up your eyes and see. Why lift up your eyes? Because most of us are like this. It's all about me. Most people, when they look down, see their toes. When I look down, I see my stomach. (laughs) He says, lift up your eyes from your family, your problem, your little things, and see there is a harvest. I have raised you, put you in this country, put you in this city, put you in this church, because I have a plan for you. Lift up your eyes and see. Matthew 9.36 says, when he saw the multitudes, he had compassion. He wanted to do Something for them. People are thirsty, my friend. People have no hope. You're not just to survive. You're not just to get your needs met. God placed you so that through you, others would be blessed. How will God meet the needs of the poor and needy? In Isaiah 41, the next verse, we read 17. It says, they will search for water. There is none. God says, I'll answer them. In verse 18, Isaiah 41, 18, it says, I will open up rivers for them on high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. I will plant trees in the barren desert. The cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, and pine, these are trees. I will plant them. You see, when the poor and needy cry out, it's dry. There is no hope. God says, I will plant trees. Because the trees, the roots will go down deep, hit the springs, and life would come. You, you know in the Bible, when you read it, it talks about the planting of the Lord. Who is the planting of the Lord? How many of you know? It's you. He says, I will send life church. I will send my people. I will plant them in different places. And that's how I will meet the need. 
God has made a promise. If you are thirsty, I will meet your need. I will send my church. You see, it's sad that sometimes we are so busy taking care of the same people that we forget those who have nothing. Let me tell you a quick story. I want to say in closing, let me tell you a quick story. And when I say in closing, I can see a lot of your faces. You're happy. That's because you don't know me. I close eight times. <clears throat> in Matthew, Luke, John, and Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This story said about the feeding of the 5,000. Right? It's in Matthew 14, Luke 9, John 6. I'm going to tell you this story from Mark chapter 6. Now you know the story. Listen to me carefully. Because I'm going to tell you the story with a twist. Now, when we were in Bible college, we learned hermeneutics. In hermeneutics, you learn two ways of, of uh, uh, deciphering scripture, right? So one is called eisegesis and one is called exegesis. Exegesis is where you go into the Greek meaning, you pull out all what the author meant and you try to find the words and, what he, and you try to get the real thing. Eisegesis is where you read a scripture and you kind of say what you want to say in it. But this morning, I am going to do the third thing, which, which is mine, which is called distortion. <laughs> I am going to distort the scripture. But I will tell you that so you don't get all hot and bothered when I change it. Right? I'll come back and I'll correct myself. So bear with me. Okay, here is this portion of scripture. Right? Here they are in this remote place. In, in Mark 6, reading from verse 35, I'm not reading, by the way, uh, the story is from verse 35. They're in this remote place. It was very hot. It's in the Middle East. Now imagine with me, right? It's hot. It's in the Middle East. People have listened to Jesus from morning. It's evening. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're hot. And there's no food. And he tells to Philip, you know, find something to eat. Philip says eight months wages wouldn't be enough to find these people any food. And then he says, even if you have had the money, this is a remote place. Jesus says, go and see what you had. The Bible says Jesus already knew what he was going to do. So they find a little boy with five loaves and two fish. They bring him to Jesus. He directs the, the disciples and he says, okay, now we'll read Mark 6, 39 and 40. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Okay? Now imagine it. It's hot. Right? I, I can't believe it. I'm sweating. I've been so cold, it's so great to sweat. Okay, anyway, um, what was I saying? Um, uh, what was I saying? I'm just checking. You're listening, okay. So, now imagine, it's hot, it's sweaty, like I am now. And they are hungry. And Jesus says, let them sit in these groups. Now imagine they were in rows. If they were in rows and 100 people to a row, how many rows to, to make 5,000? 50. All right? Not that I'm smarter than you. I have it written down. Okay? So there's 50. 50 rows of 100 each. And Jesus blesses it, gives the disciples and says, go and feed them. So the disciples take the bread, they take the fish, and they go to row number one. Here's bread and fish and people are shoving and pushing and grabbing and stuffing their face. Why? Because they're so hungry. They go to row number two, bread and fish. Row number five, eight, 13, 20, 22, 24, 25. There's 50 rows. I distort scripture now. They turn around. They come back to row number one. 
Here is more bread and fish. Oh, they're shoving, they're pushing, they're eating. More bread and fish. Row number 1, 2, 5, 10, 15, 22, 23, 24, 25. They come back to row number 1. More bread and fish. Row number 25. Turn around. Back to 1. 25. Back to 1. By now they come back to row number 1. Nobody's pushing. Nobody's shoving. They're like this. Oh no. Fish again? Where's the beef? I don't like fried. I like grilled. I don't like white bread. I like wheat bread. In America you guys have all these choices. I get confused when I go to a restaurant. They're grumbling. And they go to 25. They come back. They're grumbling. Now they'll have to do something with the fish if they keep feeding these fed people. Row number 26 to 30 are as hungry. They can smell the fish. They can smell the, the bread. But they're not getting anything. Row number 30 to 40 can see some movement in front, but they don't know what's going on. Row number 40 to 50 have no clue on what's happening. Six billion plus people in the world. Almost three billion people. They say 2.7 billion people haven't had one adequate message of the gospel while we keep feeding the same people over and over and over and over and over again while half the world hasn't had one message. I want to tell you they'll even take the crumbs if we give it to them. This is why we have missions. This is why we do what we do. You see, they got nothing. I'll correct the story. In Jesus' story, they went to row number 50. They fed everybody. And they had 12 baskets of remnants. In Sri Lanka, we are not even up to row number 2 yet. Listen, friend. Nobody here is going to live forever. Sometimes we get so crazy about living. We are dying to live. Or we are... You know, and it doesn't work. Because all of us have a short time. God placed you and me in this world for this time. Not that everything is going to be fine here. It's not. You know why it's not fine here? Because this is not heaven. How many can say amen? This is not heaven. We're going to a place. There'll be no sorrow, no crying, no mourning. It's a great place. But you see, he keeps us here. For a purpose. Today I want to tell you. Part of that great part of that purpose. Is to feed the back rows. Think about it. The back rows have nothing. They want you and me. To do something about it. Jim Elliot. Went with four or five of his friends. And, and families. They went down to the Alka Indians. To translate the Bible. And some of you know the story. There are movies on it now. How they were killed. By the same Indians they went to help. But before Jim Elliot was killed, he wrote this, where it says, He is not a fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's not a fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's why we give. That's why we go. That's why we pray. That's why we do what we need to do. I beg you, don't wait for a tsunami to wake you up. It woke me up. I was more worried about the sound during that season than I was about souls. 
When we lost almost 50,000 people in three minutes, 99% of them did not know Jesus as Savior. Sometimes we want to get the carpet right. We want to get a bigger lobby. We want a new sound system. Those are good. But that's not going to fulfill the Great Commission. What it's going to do is when you and I say, Lord, here am I. Use me. In this short life, help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to do what I can do. You know, we are so great at, at getting our flashlights bigger. We have a big flashlight. Why? Because we didn't like our small little flashlight. So what do we do? We pump it up. In our Christianity, what do we do? We go for classes. We get degrees. We, we get a new Bible. We put a great cover. We get the iPads. We, get, we, 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 we have a big flashlight. Five. We have five big batteries in it. But you know the problem we do, we have is, we, the church of Jesus Christ, we have this huge flashlight with five big batteries. We are flashing it at 12 noon in the parking lot when there is so much light. Our ministry is in the church. Our ministry is, we were so, oh, he got on the stage, I want to get on stage. He got the mic, I want the mic. She's used to sing, I want to sing. No, my friend, you can take your weakest flashlight. Oh, I can't sing, I can't preach, I can't do anything. I'm just saved. You, and your flashlight is so weak. It has a little battery. It has a little light. But when you go into a completely dark room, and you turn your flashlight on, I want to tell you the darkness is dispelled and light comes in. God has only one of you. You are God's man. You are God's woman. God wants to use you. The great missionary statesman Oswald Smith says this. No man has a right to hear the gospel twice when millions haven't heard it even once. No man has a right to hear the gospel twice when millions haven't even heard it once. God wants us to move and do things. In Sri Lanka, I want to tell you, we've been going through a very tough time with the war, persecution. Just up to, like I say, every week our churches are threatened. I'm happy to be a couple of weeks here in the States. You breathe easier. Then you go back. I'm happy to go back, by the way. I was made for that country. But you see, what God is trying to tell us is do what you have to do. So we move, we do things, we're just opening a new center to, to feed the hungry, to, to take in the prostitutes, the human trafficking uh, young ladies, the drug addicts, and do whatever we can. And you know, I come from one of the poorest countries in the world, and sometimes we almost feel like you get immune to poverty. Because if you get too moved, you, you're useless, you can't do much. But I want to tell you, it, 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 the need and what, what happens and, and, and when you become God's hand extended and you do something to eliminate the need, the greatest joy comes into your heart. My wife started a feeding center. We had no funding, no money. So we just started to do whatever we can. We gave them rice and just a, a gravy. Then somebody donated some eggs. So once a week we get eggs. And one day somebody said, we'll give you some chicken. One day we were serving these little kids and a four-year-old got the plate of rice with the, with the curries and a little bit of chicken, or one piece of chicken actually. And when the server had served him and moved across and suddenly turned back and looked at the boy, his plate was there with the rice and the gravy and no chicken. She said, son, where is your chicken? The boy was feeling very sheepish. He had taken the piece of chicken and put it in his pocket. So she said, you don't have to do that. It's yours. You can eat. He says, I know, I know. I come here every day. He says, you see, auntie, 
I have something to eat every day, but my mom doesn't. So I'm taking the piece of chicken to her. So, and suddenly, you know, I feel the joy and with the tears that come into my heart, my life, and even to my wife's and our family, as we try to do, it's the greatest joy than receiving anything that I have received in my life. You know why I suddenly realize this is why we have missions, because it is greater joy in giving than in receiving. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And I noticed the more we give, God makes us happy and takes us to the place where we can be what he wants us to be. Let me tell you a final story. My second closing, six to go. No, this is my final story. Um, There was a man in Sri Lanka. He um, was born to a, a, a Christian family, which is rare, in the village because very few percent of nominal Christians. And um, he, he was in the village, away from the city, and he hated being in this, praying every day, reading the Bible. So 16 years old, he stole some money, he rebelled, and he went and ran away to the city, just like the story of the prodigal son in the Bible. So he goes into the city, and he has some money that he stole, and he lives it up. He drinks, he has parties, and everybody's around him, just like the same story when the money finished, the friends all went away. He had nothing else to gain in life. He didn't want to go back to his village. So what did he do? He decided to end his life. So he took a bottle of poison and he went into a botanical gardens. And he went to the corner of the gardens by a stream where nobody would come. And he stood behind a palm tree. And he wrote three letters. One to the police, one to a friend and one to uh, his parents. Put it under a rock. And he took the bottle of poison. He looked into the sky. He said, God, I know you're not real. But in case you are real, make yourself real to me now. I don't want to wait for another time. So saying, he opened the bottle of poison. And when he did, these fumes suddenly went up and burned his nostrils. So he thought, man, if I drink this poison, it'll burn my mouth. Think of a man going to die worried about burning his mouth. But he did. So what he thought is, he said, I'll raise my head and I will pour the poison right into my throat. When he raised his head, he was standing behind a palm tree. He saw a poster on a palm tree. It said, if you're disillusioned and no place to go in life, Jesus is the answer. Come to the central YMCA for a youth service at 5.30 p.m. Now tell me, who would go to the corner of a botanical gardens and put a poster on a tree? There it was. He got so mad, he cocked the bottle of uh, poison. He said, these lousy white American missionaries, they come to our country, they brainwash our people. I'll go for that meeting, I will disturb the service. When the police catch me, I'll drink the poison and die. So he went for the service. He threw paper balls to disturb it. He coughed loud. He pulled the hairs of the girls in front of him. When the altar call was given, he was the first guy to come to the front. Not to get saved, but to challenge the speaker. I'm cutting a long story short. He was the last man to leave the building. He was completely saved by the power of God. God changed him overnight. He had left his village home for over six months. His parents had no clue where he was. He got on a bus that night. He went way into the village. Then he had to walk as there were no buses to his house. And he got home by about two in the morning. He knocked on the door at two in the morning. A light came up from inside. And his mom said, son, have you come home? 
she said he said how did you know it was me then she opened the door and hugged her and then she said i'll tell you another thing you are not the same guy who left this house you're completely changed he said how did you know i was waiting to tell you what happened to me she said don't you know son that we have a prayer hearing and a prayer answering god the day you left this house every day your father and i would kneel and say lord please when you send our son back don't send the old one send us a new one I want to tell you parents you know sometimes you give up on your kids too easy sometimes you give up because you try to do everything yourself and you have failed I want to tell you God never fails God will answer your prayer God will be faithful to you never give up anyway here he is he comes in and he's so excited he 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 wants to get everybody the message of what Christ did he wrote to bible school because he wanted to preach the gospel three times he wrote they rejected him three times you know why they rejected him three times because he didn't know english at that time and he he had to have english so they, they rejected him and he didn't give up he just kept going and one day miraculously the principal came to the village church to preach and when he did and he preached uh he was so blessed by this young man saying hey man hallelujah because he heard him through the interpreter uh he said are you still willing to go to school to bible school he said yes today is the day now is the time get into my car i'll take you took him one and a half years into school he um, his father died and when his father died he had no one to pay his bills so what did he do he went to ask for 3 days permission to take off he went to the beach and he had a rock he would pray he fasted and prayed the whole day first day he fasted and prayed nothing happened second day he fasted and prayed nothing happened third day he fasted and prayed the whole day and in the evening as the sun was going down tears began to roll down his cheeks he said lord maybe i made a mistake i don't know there's nobody to pay my bills tomorrow i'm leaving school but he made a promise he said i'll take a job in the city and up to half of my salary i will support another student in my place when he went to college that night there was a note meet the principal in the morning he goes to meet the principal the principal smiles and says sit down in in sri lanka we never sit down in front of our superiors or parents or you know and he was shocked that the principal wanted him to sit down so he sat down he handed him an envelope and he felt there was money in it the principal said oh here son it's your pocket money he said pocket money he said so i was coming here to tell you today a little later on today that i will be leaving school because i have no money to pay my fees he said read the letter the letter was addressed to the foreign missions department in springfield missouri of the assemblies of god it said dear sirs i am a poor widow living in panama city florida i live by scrubbing floors mending clothes and cutting lawns of other people but when i was at prayer god spoke to me and told me that there was a student in a place called ceylon which was a british name for sri lanka and i should support but i can't find ceylon on the map because we are such a small country you know so then she got the address and she wrote the next letter to the ceylon bible institute same thing dear sirs i'm a poor widow living in panama city florida i live by scrubbing floors mending clothes and cutting lawns of other people but when i was at prayer god spoke to me to support a student every time this student would brush his teeth with toothpaste tears would be pouring down his cheeks why because this mother who sent him the money was a poor widow one day she said son i'm cutting down from 3 pounds of meat to 1 pound of meat 
So I can send you these few dollars. I'm cutting down, son, from 12 eggs to 6 eggs. So I can send you these few dollars. One day she said, son, my bedroom is leaking. But I'm pushing my bed into the living room. So I can save money on repairs and send you these few dollars. That man went to Bible school. He came out and he planted a church. Became the largest church in the country. He was the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God for 26 long years. Thousands of people he ministered to. And now the people under him are ministering to to many, many people. I want to tell you the only reason I am speaking to you this morning is because of a poor widow in Panama City, Florida who did what she could do. Because the man she supported in Bible school was my father. You see, today, whatever my father and and everybody under his ministry that we do is because of one person who knew about what God wanted them to do. Didn't have much, but did what they needed to do. I'm here to challenge you that there is only one of you. And God wants to use you. And whatever you do, it may not look great in the front of other people, it's okay. Some of the greatest things in the kingdom of God are not known. You know, somebody said that you can count how many seeds there are in orange, but you don't know how many oranges come out of one seed. Because you give, because you pray, but most of all because you go. I want to tell this to some of you. Some of you, you're giving, your your mission's pledging, it's great. Please keep doing that. Don't stop. But some of you, this is a burden God gave me last week when I was preparing. To tell you that there are some of you, God has spoken to you very clearly about giving not just your money, but giving your life. Of doing more. And when you were younger, God spoke to you. You were ready. You were on fire. You got married now. You have kids. God has blessed you. But God wants me to remind you is to not to forget his call on your life. Because time is running out and God wants you to fulfill his call. Would you stand with me, please? I would love to pray for you. If you bow your heads and close your eyes. And let's pray together. Let's pray. Let's just believe God wherever you are. Right here on the West Campus in Appleton. Let's just ask the Lord to take us and use us the way he wants. Do what you can. Because God wants to use you. This is why God has you here. Father in heaven, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for what you have spoken to our hearts. We thank you for everything that you have done. Now, Lord, I pray for each one here that you would use them in the way you have planned. I pray that we will submit our will. We will submit whatever we have and give it to you completely so that you may rule and reign. Lord, use my brother, use my sister in a new way. We commit to you, each and every one. Let your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.